Welcome back to the MMA Discourse Podcast. We've had a long, long layoff. Uh, I apologize for that. Um, I have been healthy, um, but with the cancellations of UFC fights and, you know, schedules getting turned upside down, I, um, not to brag, but I was an essential worker, so I was working uh, my real job this whole time. Um, but with the complications, um, you know, at home with my wife's schedule and my son's schedule and, and then, uh, the jujitsu gym got shut down. And so I was trying to put out content for, for the students at the gym as well, uh, to help my brother out with that. And so, and then, you know, the UFC fights got canceled, and then the ones that they started kind of popping back up, um, I just really didn't have a lot of interest in them. I know we had some big fights. Uh, we had the Cejudo-Dominic Cruz fight, and, you know, we, we've had some big fights. Um, but last week's fight against uh, between uh, Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier kind of got me back in the mood to get back into talking about this. Uh, some of my listeners have been on me about getting back on here. So we're going to get to a, kind of a bare bones episode here today about UFC 251 uh, from Fight Island. Fight Island is a go. This will be the first event there. I don't really want to talk about all of the issues with the COVID testing and get into all that mess um, it seems like they are, have really stepped up their testing as opposed to what they were doing in Vegas and in Florida. And, um, it seems, you know, they, they've had a couple guys test, um, but it seems like everything is staying contained and we are getting three big title fights and, and two really good, uh, fights as well on that main card. We're just going to stick to the main card. There's not really much to speak of on the undercard of UFC 251. Let me pull it up here. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the undercard, Vulcan Ozdemir fights a guy without a Wikipedia page. Um, Makwan Amerikani, uh, Marcin Tibera, uh, you know, but nothing, nothing really that I think warrants wasting our time on this abbreviated version of the discourse. Um, so let's just j- jump right into it. The main card, UFC 251 from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. The f- opening fight on the card, Amanda Rebus versus Paige Van Zant. Uh, Paige Van Zant is kind of gambling. This is the last fight on her contract. She says she wants to test the market. She's betting on herself. Uh, she gets a tough customer in Amanda Rebus. Uh, Rebus, 9-1 overall. She's 3-0 and in the UFC. She is the huge favorite in this fight. She's a minus 830 favorite, according to mybookie.com. Uh, Paige Van Zandt comes into this fight 8-4. and four. She's 5-3 and three in the UFC. She is the plus 520 underdog. Um, and, and I really think this is a fight that they've set up for Paige Van Zant to lose, and I am going to pick her to lose also. For one, this fight is at flyweight, and I'm not sure how that weight class translates for 
Paige Van Zandt. I'm not sure that's the best weight class for her. I know she had trouble cutting to the 115, but I think for her size and body type, I think that 115 suits her better. Uh, Rebus is a legit 125-er, and I think she's a bad stylistic matchup for Van Zandt. She's a very crisp striker, and she shut down Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Mackenzie Dern never really got close to any grappling sequences that I remember. And granted, I haven't watched that fight since it took place, um, but I, I thought that was a pretty one-sided fight for Amanda Rebus, and I think she has the tools to give Paige Van problem Paige Van Zant problems. Uh, Paige Van Zant is a decent striker, but I think Rebus is a better striker. Um, and and I do not think that Paige Van Zant's grappling is better than Mackenzie Dern's. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think. Um, but her takedowns might be a little better. But at the same time, I think Rebus is going to be hard to corral. And I think this is going to be, a, I think it's going to be an exciting fight. Uh, if I was Rebus, I would try to keep the fight out in the middle of the cage as much as, I po as possible. Don't get trapped against the fence. Uh, and I think that will really limit uh, what Paige Van Zandt can do. Paige Van Zandt has power. She can knock Amanda Rebus out. But I think if this fight goes the distance, I think Rebus has too many advantages in this fight. Um, you know, you look at these, these two competitors. Granted, Rebus... Is only had three UFC fights. Uh, Paige Van Zant's had eight, um, but if you look at their best wins, let's just, I think Paige Van Zant's fought the better overall competition. But if you look at just their best wins, uh, Rebus's best win is Mackenzie Dern, uh, highly touted female fighter. Uh, you know, just won via leg lock uh, with a knee bar in her last fight. Uh, I, I think uh, I think that's a really good win for Rebus. As far as Paige Van Zant's best win, I think Paige Van Zant's best win is against her her win against Felice Herrig. That was five years ago. Felice Herrig is a uh, a weight class down. Uh, she is a she is a uh, straw weight. Uh, so you know, Paige Van Zant's had some ups and downs since then, but I really think that's her best her best win as far as competition. Um, and I just really was impressed with Rebus in her last two fights, and I'm picking Rebus to win here. I'm going with the favorite in this fight. Uh, I think Paige Van Zandt's a live dog. If you if you were wanting to, you know, place a small wager on Paige Van Zandt, I think that's a good bet. I, I mean, your your return is very good, and and Paige Van Zandt has a way to victory here. She's got she's got good submissions, and she's got power. Um, but I think she's going to have a hard time getting Rebus out of there. Let's move on to the next fight in the women's strawweight division. Uh, Jessica Andrade, former champion, uh, coming off uh, losing to Wele Zhang, uh, is going to take on the former champion, Rose Nama Yunus. Uh, this is a rematch in the first fight. Andrade uh, defeated Nama Yunus via slam, KO'd her via slam. And captured the strawweight title. I think uh, this rematch is very, very interesting. We haven't seen Rose Namajunas fight since then, uh, and uh, and Andrade has just fought the one time to Zhang, and it was a quick fight. She got beat 
fairly quickly. So I think these this is going to be an interesting fight. The first fight I thought was very interesting. I thought when they were out in space, Rose Nami Yunus had the clear advantage. And once they got clinched up, uh, the, the advantage definitely swung to Andrade. Um, I think that Rose will go back to the drawing board, and I think she will correct some of the things that she did uh, whenever they got clinched up and, and Andrade went for that level change. Rose was committing to that double wrist lock grip, and that's what ultimately led to her getting picked up and slammed. I think she's going to defend the takedowns different. Um, it might uh, it might get her taken down uh, a little more, but I think they're going to be in safer positions. She'll land in guard or half guard, and she'll be able to maybe get back to her feet. Um but I think that Rose is really going to stress trying to keep it out in the middle, stay on her horse, and and not let uh, Andrade get her cornered. Um, Rose is favored in this fight. She is the minus 200 favorite. Andrade is the plus 160 underdog. Um, and I'm going to pick Rose to win. I thought her striking was very good last time, very crisp. Um, we'll see if she has any ring rust. Coming off, you know, a, a pretty long layoff, um, but I don't expect to, that to affect her too much. And in a three-round fight, I think that Rose uh, will best Andrade in this fight. I think uh, Andrade will have her moments. I think she'll land some power punches. I think that she will get some takedowns. But I think that Nama Yunus will make the necessary adjustments uh, to be able to continue to implement the game plan that she was implementing last time that she was having so much success with before she got picked up and thunderstruck and slammed on her head. Um, so I'm picking Rose in this fight. Uh, I think the winner of that fight, uh, especially if it's Rose, I think they really want to make the Rose versus Zhang fight for the strawweight title, and I think that would be a very interesting fight. Uh, if Andrade wins, I guess you could do that fight again. Um, but I, I don't know if, if the UFC would. I don't know what else is out there. Uh, you could do a Yoana rematch with Wiley Zhang as well, as that fight was uh, you know, the best fight, best women's fight I've ever seen. So I wouldn't be against seeing it again. Um, but I really think that uh, the UFC wants to put Rose and Wiley Zhang together, and I want to see that fight. I think that's a very interesting fight. And maybe hopefully I'm, you know, out of hope of seeing that fight, I'm picking Rose to win this fight. But she is the favorite, and I'm going with the favorite here. I pick Rose to win via decision. Now we get into the title fights at UFC 251. Uh, the first one is for the vacant Bantamweight Championship, and it features Peter Yan versus former featherweight champion Jose Aldo. Uh, Jan comes into this fight 14-1. He's 6-0 in the UFC. He is the favorite. He is a minus 225 favorite. He is taking on Aldo, who's 28-6 overall. He's 10-5 in the UFC, and he is a plus 185 underdog. Um, I'm going to go with Jan in this fight um, by a narrow margin. I think that he is the better of the two fighters at this point in their career. And I think he will I think he will look to push the pace on Aldo a little bit. Uh I think I think Jan's really gonna turn it on in the late rounds. Uh 
Um, Aldo, to me, has been his own worst enemy, kind of, in these last fights. I mean, outside of the fights against Holloway, but, like, the fight against Marlon Moraes, which he lost. Jose Aldo lost his only Bantamweight fight uh, to Marlon Moraes in a close decision. But Aldo really took his foot off the gas in the third round, and really, I thought, cost himself the fight. I thought he was in control, and he just didn't do enough in the third round. I think Aldo, when he's active... The more active he is, the better he is. And I don't know if he's going to uh, be able to keep up uh, effective, uh, you know, striking for five rounds against Peter Yan. I think Peter Yan will maybe struggle a little bit early, but I think he will start to impose his will on Aldo in the later rounds. And I'm picking Yan to win. I don't think he'll finish Aldo. Um, I don't expect this fight to be the most exciting fight on the card. I think it's going to be calculated. I think it's going to be um, methodical. And I think Jan is going to, you know, really impose himself on Aldo uh, once he kind of figures what Aldo's doing out, if he can. I mean, Aldo's a tricky, tricky guy. Uh, Aldo could go in there and shut Jan down. This is a very interesting stylistic matchup. Uh, I think at this point in his career, I think Aldo is not uh, the the hitman that he was earlier in his you know UFC career. Um, his attributes have kind of dropped a little bit, and and like I said, his output has always kind of been a thing that he you know if he thinks he's if he thinks he's winning he's kind of a front runner he thinks he's winning he 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 doesn't want to he doesn't care about finishing fights he just wants to win and if he thinks he's winning he's gonna just keep doing what he was doing um and sometimes that's cost him and you know other times it hasn't so it's gonna be very interesting i think it's i think it's i think it's gonna be a weird fight i think these guys uh, are really going to be uh, calculated and, and risk-adverse early. And I think uh, Jan's really going to turn it on. I'm going to go with the favorite here. Uh, Peter Jan is the favorite, and I'm going to go with him. I'm not the most confident in it. I mean, you're going against a legend in Aldo. He still has tools to win fights at an elite level. Um, but I just don't know if he can if he can hang in there for five rounds with Peter Jan and keep Jan off of him. I think Jan's going to turn it on late. So I'm picking Peter Jan as your new Bantamweight champion. The winner of this will likely get uh, Aljermaine Sterling in their next fight. So uh, very interested in this fight. And I'm picking Peter Jan. All right. The co-main event of the night. Max Holloway, former featherweight champion, takes on the man that took that title from him, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, Max Holloway is 21-5 overall. He is 17-5 in the UFC. Uh, he is the plus 185 underdog. Alexander Volkanovsky is 21-1. He is 8-0 in the UFC. He is the favorite coming in at minus 225. Um, I think this is the most interesting fight on the card. Uh I'm curious to see how Holloway adjusts. Um, it was a very close fight last time. He was starting to find success late in the fight. Um, but Volkanovski's very, very tricky. 
Um, things he does stylistic, he switches stance well, he kicks well, he interrupts timing very well, um, and it took he, he kept Max Holloway from finding his groove. Um, I think Max, Max Holloway, I think in order for him to win, he really needs to put the pressure on Volkanovski. I really think he needs to be really, really active. I think he he needs to um, – he might have to eat the first shot to get to land a couple. That's what Volkanovski is really good about doing. He disrupts your timing, throwing those leg kicks, and, and then it gets you to reset, uh, much kind of like John Jones does. John Jones is very good at that, at, at splitting your timing and just kind of keeping you from engaging offense. Um I think Max Holloway is going to have to really try to 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 get um, Volkanovski to play on his terms. I think he might have to, you know, try to go through kicks and and create exchanges. I think in the exchanges, when you know, if we can get these guys throwing a little bit of punches, I think Max Holloway might have the advantage. But when they're out in space, uh, Volkanovski is very good about disrupting timing keeping the fight on his terms. Um, I, I want to see Max Holloway kick a little more in this fight. He didn't kick hardly at all in his last fight. I want to see him maybe try to do a little bit to Volkanovski, what Volkanovski did to him. Try to, you know, set up his hands with his kicks and uh, disrupt Volkanovski's timing. But I really think Max Holloway really needs to create exchanges in this fight uh, to better his chances to win. It was a close fight last time. Um, and as far as Volkanovski, I think he just needs to do what he what he's been known to do, and and just you know try to slow the fight down and and fight it on his terms as much as he can. Uh, it was pretty clear to me in the last fight that Volkanovski, you know, figured out Max Holloway before Max Holloway figured out Volkanovski. Now that Max Holloway's been in the ring with him uh, for five rounds he might be able to develop a game plan. Max Holloway is very good about in-fight adjustments, and he was starting to make those at the end. Now that he's been able to go back to the video and he's been he's had his five rounds against Volkanovski, I expect a different game plan from Max Holloway in this fight. And I'm going to pick Max Holloway to win. I think he is, uh, I think it's going to be another super close fight. But I think that Max Holloway ultimately... Uh, you know, starts to implement his game plan a little more effective. I think he's going to have a different game plan. He's going to attack Volkanovski uh, in a different way than he did last time and maybe be able to use some of the things that he was able to capitalize late in the fight to his advantage. But I really think Holloway is going to uh, really up his output and really try to make the fight, make Volkanovski fight him on his terms instead of fighting Volkanovski on Volkanovski's terms. And I think that will bode well for Max Holloway, and I'm going to pick Max Holloway to win. He is my underdog special of this main card, coming in a plus 185. I'm going with Max Holloway, and I think he will regain his featherweight championship. Now, on to the main event. The champion, welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman, takes on the BMF champion, George Masvidal, or Jorge Masvidal. Um, uh, this is an interesting fight. 
Usman was supposed to fight Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns tested positive for COVID-19 on July 3rd. So uh, Masvidal, who'd been apparently in contract negotiations, was holding out. Uh, Evidently, they struck a deal. And Masvidal gets his shot on one week's notice. I think that that actually benefits Masvidal. I think in a if these guys get uh, training camp, I would really favor Usman in this fight. Um, I think the short notice favors Masvidal. I, I think Masvidal fights. You know, Masvidal fights his fight no matter who he's fighting. Whereas Usman might want that extra time to train for Masvidal. So I think this short notice tends to favor Masvidal a little bit more. Now, that said, I'm not sure that, that Masvidal is going to get the win here. Uh, let's look at their records. Their records, Kamara Usman, 16-1. and He is 11-0 and in the UFC. He is the betting favorite, according to mybookie.com, at minus 255. Jorge Masvidal, 35-13 and overall. He's 12-6 and in the UFC. He is a plus 185 underdog. Um... I think I am going to go, I'm going to pick this fight, I'm going to pick Kamara Usman in this fight. I think um, he he does get a little bit of an advantage. He's probably in better shape, though they say that Masvidal has been training pretty regular uh, throughout this uh, quarantine situation. And But I just think that Usman is the better fighter, especially at 170. I think Masvidal's a little small for 170, and I, you know, he's fought at 155 before. Uh, I don't. There's no way that Usman can make 155, so I think Usman's going to have the size advantage. Uh, I think Usman has the grappling advantage, the wrestling advantage. We've seen Masvidal uh, struggle with guys that want to kind of, you know, spam takedowns at him. Um, you know. Damian Maya was able to kind of tie him up. Uh, it was a close fight, but, you know, Damian Maya won that fight. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Masvidal approaches Usman. I think Usman's really going to try to box Masvidal in and, and work a grappling style, much like he did against Tyron Woodley. Um, and I, I expect him to, to have success there. I think Masvidal is going to be looking for the, the big home run shot um, early in this fight, and I think any chance he gets a chance to strike, um, he's he's going to go for the home runs. Um, and, and if Masvidal can defend some takedowns, I think that you know really swings the pendulum in Masvidal's favor. But you know Tyron Woodley wasn't able to stop Usman's takedowns. Um, I'm not sure Masvidal can if Usman can get him boxed in against the fence. I think Masvidal is really going to have a tough time. I think Masvidal is really going to have to make it a point to keep the fight in the middle of the cage on a kickboxing term. Um, as far as any kind of tidbits in this fight, this is one I looked up. Now, Usman, he's undefeated in the UFC. Um, so we kind of know you know, who he's beat, you know, what he's done. But I kind of wanted to go through Masvidal's record a little bit. Now, Masvidal's got a lot of fights. He's got almost 50 fights. And, you know, he's fought a lot of good guys. But as far as former UFC champions, this is guys that held UFC gold, Masvidal is 0-1. That loss coming to Benson Henderson, former lightweight champion, and 
Benson Anderson holds a decision victory over George Masvidal. Against former UFC title contenders, he is 3-4 and four overall. Three wins, four losses. Against former welterweight title contenders, he's 1-2. and two. Uh, He beat... Uh, he beat uh, Darren Till. That's his one win. He lost to Damian Maia, and he lost to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, so, yeah, if that means anything to you, uh, as far as championship level, Masvidal's kind of had his ups and downs, but against welterweight contenders, he has the Darren Till victory uh, and two losses. So I'm going to pick Kamara Usman. I think it's an interesting fight, especially on a week's notice, how that affects Usman's approach, how that affects Masvidal's approach. Uh, like I said, Masvidal, I think, is more of a guy that just fights his fight no matter who his opponent is, whereas Usman might, you know, he, he fought Colby Covington totally different than the way he fought Tyron Woodley. So I think Usman kind of adapts his game plan a little more. So maybe that pushes a little bit of advantage in uh Jorge Masvidal's favor, but I just think at this point, uh, Kamara Usman is the better fighter, especially at welterweight, and I look for him to win. I really hope we get to see that Gilbert Burns fight. I think Gilbert Burns was, you know, he's been on a on a hell of a run, and then that impressive, impressive win against Tyron Woodley in his last fight. I, I really want to see that fight. I want to see the Usman versus... Uh, Gilbert Burns fight. I think if Masvidal wins this fight, it opens up a can of worms uh, that you wouldn't believe. Uh, I think Conor McGregor gets introduced into that picture. Uh, Colby Covington w- would want a shot at George. Um, you know, I think that the best thing for the welterweight division itself, as far as meritocracy, is for Kamara Usman to win, and maybe that's why I'm picking him. Um, you know, I want these divisions to get moving um, as we as we continue through this goofy quarantine uh, situation. Um, and I think we could still make the Group McGregor and Masvidal fight if we wanted. I don't think we need to hold up a division for that. And I would rather see Conor McGregor in the lightweight division anyway. So that's kind of my take on UFC 251. I, I reached out to some of my listeners, and I asked them for some questions, uh, and we'll get to those um, right now. And uh, that's how we'll finish this, like I said, kind of simplified episode here, trying to get myself, my sea legs back underneath me here as I enter the, uh, you know, try to get back into a regular schedule with the podcast and get content out to you guys, and we'll we'll start doing the uh, MMA history and maybe some pro wrestling in there. And, you know, I'll follow the news uh, a little more. But, you know, I just haven't been into the news, haven't been really keeping up to it. It's just so much COVID-19 stuff, and I get enough of that on the regular news. I don't want it in my sports news, and I don't want it in my MMA news. I know it's a big story. I should probably spend time talking about it. But let's get into listener questions. All right. So first up, we have a question from Josh. If Masvidal wins the title, does Burns get the first shot? No. I don't think Burns gets the first shot. I think Masvidal would look that look like uh, would look at Burns as a step down. Uh, they are also 
um, I think they're teammates, right? Yeah, I think all three of those guys are teammates. So uh, I don't think that, that that's the fight. I think Masvidal wants to make money. Um, he said he didn't care about the title. He has a chance to win the title. Um, but, he, you know, I would assume he got at least, you know, most of what he wanted as far as money-wise uh, to take this fight. I think if he wins, he's going to look to use that as a springboard to get into the mega, mega fights uh, with the Conor McGregor's. Um, I don't know who else is, you know, Colby Covington. I think that would be, he would rather have the Colby fight than the Gilbert Burns fight. Um, so, no, I don't think Gilbert Burns gets the next shot if Masvidal wins. Um, so, if you want Gilbert Burns to get his shot, I would say root for Usman in this fight. All right, next question. How far does a loss to Volkanovsky set Holloway back? Uh, I think it sets him back a decent amount. I think Holloway has some options. I, you know, he he went up to 155 in that fight against Poirier, which was an unbelievable fight. He took a lot of damage in that fight. Uh, so I think he has that option. Uh, you know, I think Holloway is skilled enough that you know he can earn his earn his way back uh, to the championship. You know, and there's always the chance that even if Volkanovski beats Holloway. Somebody beats Volkanovski, uh, Korean Zombie or Brian Ortega or somebody like that uh, is able to dethrone Volkanovski, and then Holloway's right back in the title hunt there. Um, you know, he already holds a victory over Ortega. Uh, the fight against Korean Zombie would be a really good fight. I think that Holloway has options to get back into the title fight, but I think he's going to take, he's either going to need Volkanovski to lose the title or he is. You know, going to need to string two or three wins together against high quality, you know, high quality performers, and that's considering he stays at 145. I think it's possible he moves up to 155 if he loses this fight. Um, but as I talked about earlier, I'm picking Holloway to win that fight, and uh, but I, I think there's if if Holloway loses, it does set him back a little bit, but I don't think it puts him like. Uh, way out of reach or anything. Um, all right, let's see. Which title conversation does McGregor work himself into, if any? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, the lightweight title, we don't know what's going on. Uh, Khabib's father just passed away, so we don't know how long, how much longer that's going to keep Khabib out of action. I guess if it keeps... Khabib out of action. I don't know why they wouldn't want to make the Justin Gaethje Conor McGregor fight. I don't know who wouldn't want to see that fight. Uh, tremendous, tremendous fight uh, that would be. I talked about if Masvidal wins, I think McGregor might try to sneak his way into there. You know, a strike. You know, a striker versus striker matchup against Masvidal. Masvidal's a former lightweight, uh, so I think I think McGregor would really like his chances in that. That would be an opportunity to catch his third. Uh, a championship in his third division, uh, being featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight, that would probably establish McGregor as uh, an all-time great if he was able to do that. So I, I really think, you know, where McGregor fits in really depends on what happens with Khabib and how long he's going to be out of action, and uh, if Masvidal is able to pull off the upset against Usman on short notice. 
McGregor could look to take that fight. So I think he'll be back. You know, they say he's retired, but um, I don't believe they're retired until they're retired for a long time. And uh, McGregor, I think, is just kind of sitting back. Um, Also, you know, something that we don't talk about a lot with this COVID, uh, you know, these empty shows, there's no gate. And, you know, yes, McGregor is a pay-per-view draw, but he's a draw at the gate as well. So I think that he might wait for crowds to get back, uh, you know, the arenas to fill back up, and then we'll see the emergence of Conor McGregor again when he's able to draw a gate. And, uh, you know, really, you know, I really think that's how he gets the most value. You know, the crowds come in hot for him. He, he, people travel from Ireland to see him. So, as far as the question, I think he, it really depends on what happens with Khabib and if Masvidal is able to capture the, the welterweight title. If neither one of the, if Khabib's able to fight, Masvidal doesn't win, I think that he's probably going to lean towards the lightweight, the lightweight title. All right, let's see. Let's get some more of these questions here. Um, Let's see, we'll go to, let's see, question here from Steven, maybe, here we go, okay, give me a second, does Francis versus John Bones Jones ever happen? Um, that's a really good question, I think that's a fight that a lot of people want to see, me included, I'm not sure how much John Jones wants that fight. Um, you know, he, he talks like he wants it, but then conveniently when it's a good time to make that fight, um, he has contract, uh, beef with UFC. Um, so I, I think John Jones is, is maybe looking to, I don't know if he's looking for an exit and he's looking for a big payday right here at the end, um, or, I think I think John Jones is not. I'm not saying John Jones is scared of Ngannou. I, I think John Jones thinks he needs to be compensated for taking a, a very very big risk uh, to his undefeated record, and I think he sees Ngannou as one of the biggest risks he's taken. He's had some close calls, uh, you know, as far as you know the Gustafson fight, first Gustafson fight. The Santos fight, uh, I thought he lost this fight in his last fight. And, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know, I, I'm not in, I can't get inside John Jones' head, but I think he, I think he wants to be compensated. I think he sees Ngannou as a big risk. I think he wants to be compensated. Um, and, and we'll just see if the UFC wants to budge. Once again, this might be a thing where the UFC uh, doesn't feel comfortable in their current uh, financial situation to unload a, lo- a large sum of money for John Jones to fight in Ganu. Um, so it might be something that has to wait till we we're able to get uh, the arenas full again for that fight. So I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say yes, that fight happens, but I think it might be next year before it does. Um, who comes out of retirement first, Conor McGregor, John Bones Jones, or AEW superstar? 
uh, triple C's, uh, referring to Henry Cejudo there. Um, I think... I think it'll be John Bones Jones. I think he'll be the first one to come back. Um, you know, he has the Reyes rematch. He has the Nganu fight. Um, I think that I think that he will come to terms um, before anybody else. Uh, second, I would say I think McGregor is the most sure to come back. Um, I really think Conor McGregor will come back. I think he likes fighting. Um, and I, I think he's just kind of holding out, buying his time, looking for the right the right time to insert himself into a big money fight again. So as far as who I'm sure will come back, I'm going to put that at uh, McGregor first, John Bones Jones second, and Cejudo third. I think they're all three fight again. Um, as far as who comes back first, I'm going to say... John Bones Jones um, comes back first. Um, he asked a question about Mike Perry. Uh, Mike Perry just had his quickest KO in his career over an old dude in a bar. What's next for him after that fight? Does his mental breakdown surprise anyone? Um, no, uh, Mike Perry getting into a bar fight doesn't really surprise me. Um, I, I was kind of reading an update right before I started recording. Sounds like this is a he's going to get an assault charge. He didn't get didn't have to spend any jail time. He'll have to go to court. He's maybe looking at a fine. I really don't think this is going to affect his fighting career um, much, if any. Um, as far as who I want to see him fight next, um, I don't know. Let's see who who could he fight. Um. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who I want to see him fight next. Uh, I, I don't know. That's a really tough fight. I have somebody on the tip of my tongue. I'm just having a trouble putting the name to the, you know, to it. Um, but no, I, I'm not surprised he got in a bar fight. I don't know what's next. I mean, he looked really good against Mickey Gall. Um, it looked really, really good. Um, and I, I don't know what's next for him at, at 170 pounds, um, but I thought he looked really, really good in his last fight. Um, as far as the bar fight, I don't think it's going to really set him back too much. Um, let's see. Um, here's another question from another listener. No name on it. Um, what is... Hold on, let me read this. Make sure I'm understanding the question. Okay, so it's basically asking if I could rearrange the weight divisions any way I want, how would I do that? Um, I'm guessing adding divisions or taking away divisions. or So I, I might have talked about this on a previous podcast, but um, if you're going to have a flyweight division, I think, yeah, you keep it at 25, uh, and then you go 10 pounds, you go 35, uh, 45, 55. I think you go 10 pounds there, 65. Another 10 pounds, you do 75. So you add a division there, 65 and 75, get rid of 170. Um, 
I think you go ahead and go up to 185 next, and then I think we move light heavyweight down to an even 200. I just think that sounds, I just like that number better. Um, 15 pounds is um, not such an extreme gain as opposed to the 20 that's there now. Um, and then I think maybe we put in a 230 division, 230, 235, maybe 230, um, like a cruiserweight division. And then I think we move the, the cap up to 300, you know, in heavyweight. Like, why are we cutting these guys? Like, why are we making Brock Lesnar cut weight? Like, make it a 300. Like, yeah, if you're over 300, then, yeah, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe we should, you know, regulate that. But I, I say make it an even 300 pounds as the cap and, and let Francis Ngannou come in at whatever Francis Ngannou wants to come in. Let Brock Lesnar come in or whatever Brock Lesnar wants to come in. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would arrange my weight classes. Uh, every 10 pounds till you get to light heavyweight, I think we make it a nice even 200. And then we put in a cruiserweight division. I think that would just give guys more freedom to move around, bounce around divisions a little bit. Um, you know, we've talked about the Holloway situation earlier. You know, if he loses, um, I like the idea that he can, he can move to – you know, 55, um, it's just a 10-pound jump. Um, you know, I think you would have that balance with the 75-65 divisions as well. You know, like Colby Covington right now. I think Colby Covington can make 165. Um, you know, so, yeah, maybe he loses uh, at at the 175 division. He has the freedom to bounce down and see what he can do in the 165 division. So I think it just gives more opportunities to guy, for guys to succeed um, I think it, it creates, uh, you know, some creative matchmaking we could do. And, I, and I'm in favor of catchweight fights. I think we should see more catchweight fights where guys meet in the middle. Or, um, you know, I think weight cutting is a problem. So if guys can be in shape and not deplete themselves and agree not to do that, you know, where uh, welterweight guys are going, yeah, let's, let's make it a 175 fight, you know. Um, I would like to see the UFC do that more. I don't think it would hurt the integrity of their divisions uh, as far as titles and stuff. I just think it would uh, be beneficial to the fighters' health um, to take more catchweight fights. So with that, that's the end of the questions. We're going to get out of here today. Uh, sorry if I'm a little rusty with my ums and ands and butts and all that stuff that I've been doing. Uh, I've been off since March uh, on the podcast. It felt good to be back here. Um, hopefully we will we will be able to start ramping this back up. Um, I, I'm not sure I'll do one next week. I think there's a flyweight title fight. like on. Uh, oh, no, there's not. it's not the flyweight. I think that's next weekend, so maybe I'll be able to preview that. I think there's a fight night like on Thursday next week. Uh Ige versus somebody. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll be able to cover that next week. Um, but I, I want to get back into doing this regular. Uh, thanks for guys for sticking with me. Uh, you can always submit your questions to uh, the MMA discourse at gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook page. We do have a Twitter. I think you can DM us on our Twitter page, um, the MMA discourse podcast. So um, get in touch with us ask questions and hopefully I can start to get in a regular routine, get back to my research, scrolling the news, uh, doing the MMA history pages, 
maybe working a little pro wrestling, other combat sports, boxing starting to come back as well. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me back in the return of the MMA Discourse. We will hopefully see you guys in a week. And until then, I'm Blake Horton, and this has been the MMA Discourse Podcast. Thank you.